Acts 4, 13 to 22. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men? They asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in his name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. utterly helpless. A situation when circumstances are completely out of your control and you just have to hope that something, anything happens to change those things that you can't do anything about. When we look at the ancient world, we easily forget that they lived lives that were largely out of their control. When illness came or difficult times, there was often nothing they could do about it. They knew both what hope looked like and what false hope felt like. They were desperate for rescue. When con artists offered healing as they regularly did, they were hopeful but sceptical. And so, when the early Christians started seeing genuine healing happen, everyone took notice. Questions were asked and the evidence was undeniable. People began to see that there really was genuine hope and that God really was at work. We've all got our favourite songs, haven't we? One of my favourite songs is by this man. This guy is a singer called, singer-songwriter called Foy Vance. I don't know if any of you have heard of him, from Northern Ireland. And a song that he wrote about ten years ago now has been a song that's stuck with me ever since I first heard it. The song is called Two Shades of Hope, in which he beautifully explores the tension that hope creates when we long for something to happen, and it doesn't. Sometimes even harder when that's the case than if we hadn't hoped in the first place. Here's some lyrics from it. Well, some people think their sin caused the cancer that's eating into them. And the only way they can win is by the healing hands of, of somebody's hands on their skin and praying. But when the cancer doesn't go, surely hope dealt the hardest blows. It's a heartfelt cry that sometimes 
things don't work out the way we hope. And when it comes to the whole issue of healing, this is an extraordinarily painful and real issue, isn't it? I know that in the room right now, there are people who have prayed for people or for themselves for years longing for healing. And hope, so far, has dealt the hardest blows. But at the same time, there are also people in this church who have been healed, and perhaps even in dramatic ways. And of course, in addition to those two groups of people, there are also those of us who are praying right now that hope would be real and that God would heal And so as we continue this series called, again, where we look at the early church, the first Christians from the book of Acts in the Bible, the prayer has been, Lord, do it again. Do what we read about then, now, please, Lord. We've produced these guides. If you haven't got one, grab one on your way out. And later on, there is going to be an opportunity for those who would like to receive prayer for healing to do so. And as we do this, we're going to spend a bit of time, therefore, asking this really important question. Does God heal today? But before we get to that question, there's a really important question that needs to be asked first, which is this. Did God heal then? You see, for many of us, if we are honest in our culture, we look at the ancient world, and if we dare admit it, we have a sort of patronizing view of back then. We easily think that they didn't really understand the way our bodies work like we do now, and all that we know about medicine, and they thought something was a miracle, but really, it wasn't. But then we look at the scriptures and we discover something remarkable, that our skepticism about then was very real then too. Look at these words. Peter and John had healed somebody, and this is what we read. When they saw the courage of these men, realized they were unschooled, ordinary men. They weren't magic professional entertainers. They were astonished and took that these, note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who'd been healed standing with them, there's nothing they could say. The remarkable thing is that there was a guy there in their midst and they were trying to do all they could to shut it down. But here was the guy stood right there with them and they are freaking out. Look at what verse 16 says. What are we going to do with these men, the religious leaders say? They asked, everyone living in Jerusalem knows they've performed a notable sign and we can't deny it. If there was any glimmer of doubt, they would have closed it down. They wouldn't have had any issues if there was any glimmer of doubt back then. Everyone had seen what had happened. In fact, in chapter 3 before this, we read that this guy was by the temple every single day. As a result, they knew this guy. He was well known in Jerusalem, and now here he was, healed. This wasn't the religious leader's script. Loads of people claimed healing. Loads of people claimed miracles. But here, the remarkable thing is that there was a guy who actually was standing in the middle of them. And so they take plan B, which is what? 
Instead of denying the miracle, because they can't, everybody knows it, they try and close it down by telling them to stop speaking about what has happened. Stop this thing from spreading any further. We must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Peter and John then bravely respond like this. I love this. After further threats, they let them go. They couldn't decide how to punishment because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man was miraculously healed who was over 40 years old. How old is that? (laughs) What's happening is obvious. The religious leaders would do anything to show that it didn't happen. And yet they knew and the whole of Jerusalem knew What I'm trying to say is they were skeptics then. Loads of people claimed to be healers. The problem was, here was a guy, an old guy over 40, standing right in the middle of them. So the only thing they can do is, well, just don't tell anyone about it. Stop speaking. The reason the early church grew, because things were happening. It wouldn't have got traction otherwise. Loads of people claimed to do amazing things. But they knew they couldn't close it down. So it seems to me the obvious conclusion is that remarkable things were happening then. And so if God did big things then, the key question for all of us is, does God heal now? And instead of just hearing from me, I thought it would be helpful to get the perspective of a doctor. Uh, We have so many people in Riverside who work in the healthcare profession. Why don't we give them a big round of applause? (laughs) On behalf of so many thousands of people in Birmingham, thank you for all that you do for serving people at sometimes the most desperate stages of their lives. And we have a joy that within Riverside, there are lots of people who work in the healthcare field. And we're going to hear from one. I did a FaceTime call this week with James Tomlinson, who's a GP over in our Bourneville congregation. Uh, And he's going to simply share a few words, last about eight minutes of video. And I asked him a few questions about his view as both a doctor and a follower of Jesus about the whole subject of healing. Let's watch this together. So James, you've been a GP for 16 years, uh, and in every respect you're in the business of helping people get better, and you're both a Christian and a doctor. Uh, so the question for you is, do you think that God still heals today? So I think there's a, a simple, short answer to that, and the answer is yes, uh, I do. Um, the Bible tells us that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and so if God... Uh, healed in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Um, Can he heal now? And the answer is simply yes. But it also leads me on to think, well, what do we mean by the question, can God heal today? Um, What do we mean by healing? Very often when the word healing is used by by Christians, they're thinking of the miraculous, the out of the ordinary, the kind of unnatural um, uh, healings. And do I think God can do that? Yes, I do. But I also think there is a concept of healing that the Bible teaches us about, which is bigger than that. Um, In Psalm 103, verse 2 and 3, it says, Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. And so the Bible is telling us that actually God is the one who heals all our diseases. And so some healing 
yes, maybe through the unnatural, the, un the miraculous, but actually um, healing, even in the Old Testament and New Testament, would have been through the body's immune system working and fighting infection, and he healing a cut, for example. So the, the way we have been designed, the way we've been made by God, uh, we have the capacity to be healed, and that is part of God healing. Um, and through the work of a surgeon, um, uh, through the skill of, of the use of counselling or the use of, of medicine uh, and tablets, again, God heals. Um, so, so actually, God heals both in that understanding of the word healing, but he also, yes, can he still heal through the miraculous and unexplained and unexpected? Yes. So therefore, do you think that God still does sort of, as it were, miraculous healings then today? Yes. Yeah, I think it does. Uh, and I think, um, I think often God heals as a, as a sign, a sign of his kingdom, as a way of helping people to see who, who he is. Um, and I think God still very much does that today. I, I, I think perhaps he does that or seems to do that more where there's a hunger for that and also perhaps where um, there aren't other ways of, of that happening. But, but I think we definitely do see God stepping in in the most remarkable way. And I can certainly think of examples where I've seen things that medically don't make sense to me yeah. in that uh, I can think of people, particularly with terminal illness, where... Uh, you would very much expect their device to be pretty quick. Uh, and I can think of uh, a friend of mine who, uh, at the age of, in her mid-30s, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer with uh, obstruction, jaundice, uh, and so it was bright yellow, very itchy. Uh, and uh, as a doctor, I knew that her, the expectation would be that she probably had about four to six weeks from the point of diagnosis to, to her death. The reality is that she survived two years and remained jaundiced for two years and were itching and God sustained her remarkably through that period and and used her to tell other people about about him and so medically I can't that doesn't make sense did he heal her in the sense that did she still ultimately die of pancreatic cancer yes she did but actually he sustained her in a way that was much far beyond what I would have expected and also gave her the grace to cope with that illness as she as she walked through that. And ultimately, did he heal her? Well, absolutely, because the Bible tells me that actually when she died, she got a brand new body. Uh, she's in a place without any pain. She's in a place without any tears. And so uh, very much, yes, she has been healed. So uh, healing is quite a mystery, I think. Uh, and sometimes what we call healing and the way we use the word, the word about healing perhaps needs a little bit more careful use and sometimes what we claim as as healing perhaps isn't um, but that doesn't mean that God can't still do the uh, the remarkable uh, the unexpected and certainly we're told to pray for that um, and I would I certainly would continue to pray for the remarkable of the healing uh, in people in different situations in people's lives even if I may not always see that happen the final question then, James, I, I, imagine, um, and this may have happened, I don't know, that somebody says to you that they're really believing that God will heal them. Um, how do you approach that, both as a Christian and as a doctor, when somebody's convinced utterly that God's going to heal them? 
So uh, I suppose that, that question can happen in two settings. It can happen for me in the professional setting, uh, where I, I am being a doctor and known as a doctor, and it can, happen, it can also be asked in, in a setting where I'm known primarily as a Christian, for example, in church. But it has happened to me, actually, in my professional setting, that I uh, was uh, a junior doctor, and my, on that particular day I was uh, meeting with a patient to unfortunately confirm uh, the bad news that he had a uh, cancer diagnosis and that it was already at a stage where uh, it was what we call palliative treatment, so not curative. Um, and I know I knew the patient already and knew that actually he had become a Christian. Um, and his response when I broke the news uh, in the presence of uh, a palliative care nurse was immediately to make the statement that God will heal me, won't he, doctor? And I immediately had a, a, a genuine dilemma, which was that I, I, I didn't want to simply say yes, and I didn't want to simply say no. I didn't want to squash um, the faith and hope of a young Christian, nor did I want to, um, to unrealistically and unreasonably uh, place an expectation that God was going to do something that he might not do. Um, also, I was in the presence of a non-Christian colleague who didn't know I was a Christian, who would have had her own feelings about how to respond to that question. Uh, in the event, what I did is I said that I felt that God could heal him, but that did not mean that God would heal him, and that it was good to trust God and to pray for healing, but to also know that he, that the answer to that prayer may not be in through the removal of the cancer, but it may be in uh, God sustaining him through that cancer and giving him the grace to face that cancer, but also that healing in its fullest sense um, would mean that he would have a, a new body uh, and would be in a place in, in heaven in, in the end. Um, so, so I think for him, um, it was, it was a tricky situation, but that was the answer I gave. And I think I would give the same answer, actually, uh, today. It's trying to hold that tension uh, and, and say, yes, God can heal, and, and certainly to pray for healing, but also to hold the tension between the fact that, that while that is our hope, that is not what always our experience. Uh, and at the end of the day, I'm, I'm encouraged, actually, that every person that Jesus healed actually died. I'm encouraged by that because it reminds me that not first of all, not everyone is healed. There will be people in the crowds that he didn't heal, but also that every person that he did heal, ultimately, yes, they died. But that doesn't mean that that God doesn't heal. It means that that healing is a sign of God's kingdom, and that it's that it's not all about healing. It's about actually that God is the one that saves. Thanks, James, for that seems to me that there's one little word that James used that is really important, and it's a word that's in the passage that was read to us. In verse 16, as the religious leaders are trying to work out what to do with this miraculous healing, they refer to it in an interesting way. Verse 16, what are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows that they have performed a notable sign. And we cannot deny it. That little word, sign, is so important. The healing is not an end in itself. It is a sign. When we think of road signs, 
The point is not the sign. The point is what they're pointing to. If you saw this sign, how would you feel? I love that. Seems to me all gunfire is pretty sudden. <laughs> this is just your regular gunfire about to happen. So this miraculous healing is pointing to something. But what does it point to? Well, fortunately, we know this from the Bible. So chapter 3, after the amazing thing healing has happened, we read these words. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? In other words, it's not about us. We've not got some amazing technique, a surefire way. Hugely liberating. It wasn't that they were special. Also, no reference here to the man's sin at all. It's not because of his sin either that this was all happening. No. Verse 16, Peter goes on. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It's Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him as you can all see. Do you notice the emphasis? It's faith in Jesus' name. Now, that doesn't mean the name itself, the word... In the ancient world, names were given to represent who the person was. My name means honoring God, apparently. Timothy. wonder what your name means. But in the ancient world, they gave names because of what they meant. They represented, they were part of their identity. So what Peter is saying is, by having faith in who Jesus is. And you notice something else about this faith? What does Peter say? It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him, not and the faith in him that's completely healed him. Fascinating. It's not that they had an extra superpower download of confidence that morning, as though they've got to kind of trick themselves. I can't dare doubt that this one's going to be a miracle. No. This is all, says Peter, about Jesus, who he is, even the faith to trust in him comes from him. It's all about Jesus, that God has stepped in. This is a game changer. Everything is different now. And to help what that looks like, we need to flip back a few pages to the very beginning of the book of Acts. Because Luke, the author, spells it out for us. Chapter 1, verse 1, we read why he wrote the book. This is what he said. In my former book, Theophilus, that's the gospel of Luke, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up into heaven. Key word. What Luke is saying is what? My previous book, Luke part one, was all about that Jesus began to do. What's the implication about Luke part two, the book of Acts? This is all that Jesus still does. So they ask him about this new kingdom era that they're living in. The disciples asked Jesus in those days, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father set by his own authority, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Kingdom, you're going to see something and then you are going to go for it. 
So what's the implication? Jesus began to do something and is still doing it. And his followers play a part in that. They'll be both witnesses of what happened, but then also involved in what Jesus continues to do today. Which is why when we think about healing, when we think about our role as church, it's not just within these walls. It's actually as we on a Monday morning, on Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, or even an afternoon. We are in the business. How can we not speak of what we've seen or heard? And so in a moment, as I said, we're going to pray if people want to be prayed for healing. But it's not something that just happens here. It should be normal, something we do all the time. I know that somebody this morning even offered to pray for somebody. Not within the church. Great. So it seems to me at the end of Acts chapter 1, we get this. Because Jesus goes to be with his father. And then you've got this amazing encounter where the disciples are like, what's happening now? Uh, and we read, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you've seen him go into heaven. What is clear is this. For the early Christians, what Jesus began to do in his ministry, where he did amazing miracles, and then he died on a cross and shattered death, he still did in the early church as the Holy Spirit empowers them. And there will be a day when Jesus then will come back. That's what's pretty clear. So what does that mean for us today as we begin to see what this might look like for us? Let me explain with a diagram. Some of you will have seen this diagram. Hopefully you'll be able to explain it okay. The Bible talks about time in this way. It refers to this present age. Sometimes calls it this present evil age. In other words, the beginning of the world, the creation, when God created it all, all its brilliance, all the beauty, humanity as the pinnacle. But we wanted to be our own God, so living as ourselves as God rather than following our creator's pattern. And so into this, God himself steps in. Why? Because as we turn away from the life giver, where does that lead to? Death and all sorts of darkness and bleakness and sickness and horrible things, fractured relationships, self-reflection that is negative, all of that. Jesus steps in and ultimately in his ministry begins to show a very different way, but then in his death, paying for all our sin and then ultimately coming back from the dead, God steps into this present age. And not only that, there will be a day where he then will come back. But the key thing is this, that when Jesus stepped in, as it were, he was bringing in a new kingdom. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven sometimes referred to, in which truth, life, joy, peace, hope, healing, salvation, wholeness was available. Some of us get worried about the phrase kingdom of God. We don't quite know what it means. A simple way that I've found helpful. Imagine the best country that would ever be possible. Imagine what the ideal king of that country would look like. What would happen? Jesus' kingdom is way better than that. So Jesus brings in this kingdom, but therefore we live in this moment now. 
Whereas it were, we live in the time that is still this present age with the darkness, the bleakness, the pain, the sickness and the death. But also in this era where the kingdom has come as well. And so we live now. And some people have helpfully put it like this. The era we now live in is this. Now but not yet. What does that mean? Very simply, it means what James said earlier. We can pray for and expect God to do amazing things now, but it will never be what it one day will be now. It's a time of now, but not yet. We still live in a world of sin, brokenness, emptiness, fractured bodies and relationships with death. And yet God has broken in, and so we see amazing things happen now that are signs pointing to this new kingdom. So if the healing isn't the most important thing, it's what it points to is key. That begins to help us as we then think about whether God heals today. Have you ever noticed in the Bible when Jesus heals people, there's always something else going on. There's people who don't get it, don't believe it, don't want it, ignore it. And it's almost as if those people who've been healed, there's a bigger point going on for those who can't see what's happening. And the point is this, I think. Jesus' kingdom always looks different to our expectations. I want to read to you one person's experience as we come to some practicalities. One person's experience with a very, very severe and complex disability. About being in a church environment and being offered to pray for his healing. Listen to these words. At the end of the service, we were wheeling out, and a man stopped us to introduce himself and welcomed us, which was wonderful. He then did something that made me cringe. He reached out, put his hand on my head, and began praying. What for? He didn't know what my needs were. He could assume I didn't particularly like being in a wheelchair, but was he just assuming I wanted prayer for that? I was offended that out of the hundreds of people in that room, many of whom were in desperate need of God's provision, this man scanned the room and saw me as the most needy. I also have lots of needs that are on display for all to see, but I also have needs that nobody except God knows. Moreover, some people who appear to have no obvious needs have needs so great that they dwarf the ones of mine that people can't see. And if I could be personal for a moment... Many of you will know we have a son, Caleb, who has very complex disabilities. And from time to time, people very kindly offer to pray for healing for Caleb. I love the heart behind it. But when they do so, if I'm honest, there's a question comes in my head. What do you mean? Because somebody like Caleb, and I'm guessing for people in this room right now, their supposed limitations on their life are actually part of who they are. And so if the person is saying, can I pray for Caleb so that he becomes like us? My answer is, I'm not sure I want him to become like us. You may know he's non-verbal, and what that means is he can't speak. 
And yet if you heard him praying, when you say, Caleb, will you pray? He always vocalizes. There's somebody in here who I know he has prayed for and moved him to tears. Perhaps there's things that Caleb can do and is precisely because of his limitations that I am not and I cannot do. And so therefore, when we think about what healing means, maybe God's kingdom is way bigger than the things that we see all the time. Maybe we sometimes need to pray, Lord, would you heal me so that I may be more like him? And as I come to a close, and we're going to put this into practice, there is a day, therefore, that scopes all of this, this now but not yet. Because we therefore do what James mentioned, which is we pray, Lord, heal, please. And we expect God to do incredible things. And yet we also know that if he chooses not to do what we would want, we can trust that he is still God and he's still building his kingdom. Why? Well, as we get to the end of the Bible, we read some beautiful, beautiful words which I keep referring to and many of us do. There will be a day when they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. For Caleb... One day, things will be different. Maybe he'll dance. Maybe he'll see. Maybe the pain will be going, gone. But you know what? The same is true for all of us. Some of us need to know how to dance. (laughs) Some of us will see. Some of us, the pain, whether it's in our bodies, in our minds, in our hearts, will be gone. One day. All tears. And so therefore, we don't look at each other the same, as though you've got needs, I haven't. Friends, we've all got needs, and God's in the business of building his kingdom. And as James said, he's the one who not only heals, he saves. And so, friends, this morning... None of us have got this worked out. But we can say, Lord, I don't know. Would you heal? And Lord, if you don't, you're still building your kingdom. And I know one day, one day, help me cling on for that day.